the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to the folks in today. Last week, you'll remember, we had State Senator Hammer, State Senator Ballinger, and then Robert and myself, and we all sat here and kind of hashed out what we thought went right and what we thought went wrong in the, the last session. Now, we're going to do this again. And we brought in State Representative Lowry and State Representative uh, Sullivan. And we're going to talk from the House side. Because one thing you'll learn, if, if, you, if you got to sit in my seat and was covering the session, what you would hear from the House side many times is like 90 to 120 degrees different than what the senators are saying. And, you know, the Senate, they've got that kind of hoity-toity kind of talk where they think that they're the more deliberative body. I mean, it's not just in federal offices that they feel that way. They feel that way here uh, in Arkansas as well. But let me tell you what, I saw a lot of deliberative people from the House side this year. I mean, really deliberative people. And uh, I thought that the House side of this year's uh, session had the bigger cojones. They were willing to get out there and stand on principle. And that's that I've se- I've gotten tired of not watching it because I've 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 covered the session when there was only five Republicans in the whole place. And uh, I've been there now that. You know, supermajorities of Republicans are there, and they're some of them are willing to to try to legislate as though the Democrats are still holding the whip over them. I was going to say, is there any difference when there was five? Yeah, yeah, there, <laughs> there wasn't any difference on some things, and that's something that's just got to change. And I I don't know how to help that. You know, I've done everything I can since I've come to this state for people to understand about free markets and and being able to go out and get the job that you want without the government telling you you got to have a, a frickin' license to be able to do it and all the other things that go on in this state. And we've made some, some headway, but I thought we would make much more headway in this last time with the Republican thoughts, principles, and in, in our political I- ideology. Any any thoughts on your all's part why that didn't happen? Well, I was I was at a luncheon today of uh, conservatives uh, for different organizations, and um, the party chair Doyle Webb was there. And I told the group that um, that I have spoken to two different two different Republican groups and told them since the end of the session and told them uh, that I fear that the biggest challenge to, uh, to our to be able to maintain. Actually, the biggest challenge to consolidating our power as a majority Republican House and Senate are Republicans. Agreed. That's the big. And so uh, Chairman Webb said to me as I, I left the lunch and he said, now, 
he didn't know that I was going to be on the radio show. He said, take it easy on your fellow Republicans. I said, if you'll start getting rid of some of them <laughs> who say they're Republicans. Because we were, we were having a general conversation sure. about how when you go through this transition, you have uh, a lot of uh, longtime Democrats uh, that does, that finally decided to become Republicans. And a lot of them were truly conservative. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if you uh, – if you will pledge to me that you will do what you can to make sure that we out the Republicans that are amongst us mm-hmm. who are not acting like Republicans. Right. They're not acting like conservatives. If they're not standing up for our um, our planks, if they're not standing up for that, then why can't Doyle call them out? Well, I'm calling one of them out, uh, yeah, Senator Cooper, and they're running against them. Rightly so. Because Senator Cooper in District 21 in Jonesboro made a lot of promises, and I showed you some of the flyers that he sent out. Oh, believe me, I remember that race. <laughs> and he just has not kept the promises. And, you know, when you get to Little Rock, one of the first things that is uh, you learn is that you can stay in Little Rock as long as you want, as long as you do what you're told. And it's time for the voters to change that. And for the voters to say, you can stay as long as you want in Little Rock, as long as you do what we, the voters, say you can do. Because when people go down there, and Senator Cooper is a great example, that gave his word uh, he would change ethics. He's not done. He's voted against two of the three of the biggest ethics reform bills we had, Brian King's and Linda Collins. He voted against those. He's raised taxes at every opportunity. He killed the Stand Your Ground bill. Was the vote that killed that? Mm-hmm. Now the voters in committee in committee, and the voters need to step up and hold legislators accountable. Doyle can certainly do his part. But it's up to the voters to be active. Uh, and, you know, the other thing I'll mention is that these Senate races, more than the House races, what happens in the Senate affects everybody in the state. That's correct. And, you know, just because you're running as a senator in Jonesboro, in my case, you know, we need the help of everybody in the state to effectively recall senators who aren't and House members who are not following in up on what their promises are to the people. Dave, you know, one thing that you said a while ago, and I, uh, I'll just have to push back a little bit, and I appreciate you saying that the House really had showed the most grit and cojones, as you said. Guys, I thought you guys but I did. Can, can think of two specific bills where the Senate stepped up and the House didn't, one of them being the bill that Senator Johnson and I co-sponsored on protecting monuments Okay. The state Senate passed it. The House defeated it, and it was re- were Republicans that defeated it in committee. The other was the uh, the voucher program, the cap- Capital Promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew Dan and I serve on education committee. We knew from day one when the committee uh, assignments were named that there were no more than eight members of a twenty member committee who were school choice advocates. And we, so we knew it was going to be a long session. Um, the one thing that we did not do, and, it, and the numbers are different on rules, the Senate, if a bill gets stuck in committee, by, by a simple majority, the full Senate can actually pull a bill from committee. In the House, it's a two-thirds. That would have been too high. Now, if we had a simple majority, 
it's very possible we could have, if the rule said simple majority, we could have built it. Yeah, re- it. reached in and pulled yeah, it out. Yeah, but the Senate, uh, on those two issues, and I'm just aware of them because I'm so was so personally invested in both of them, especially the uh, the school choice bill. I mean, we're talking about uh, underprivileged kids yeah. in Pulaski County, giving but them opportunity. Can't let the camel's nose under his tent. I, I, I thought and, the know, left is pro-choice. But, but not, not that kind of pro-choice. Not that kind not of choice. Not pro-choice when it comes to schools. Not pro-choice when it comes to the right uh, to carry a firearm under the Second Amendment and the state version thereof. The only pro-choice they are seems to be regarding abortion. The same thing when they say that they're the, the party of science and we're the party of, uh, of flat earthers. Yeah, we're the flat earthers. Right? And they're the ones that say there's no such thing as man or woman. They don't know what it is. They've never met a man or a woman. They've met just a bunch of people, a bunch of eunuchs. They're all identical. So, you know, like, you know let's get over this nonsense. Amen. Uh, yeah, I, I want to hope. I hope we can kind of change the perspective of the voter. If we're talking about the voters being the ones responsible, we need our voters to start thinking about educational freedom. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily school choice. It's they educational freedom. need to start freedom. thinking about freedom, period. Can, can freedom. Dan Sullivan was one of the leaders on educational freedom in this last session. That ain't no joke. Dan Sullivan was an original co-sponsor of the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill. That wasn't by accident. And so, you know, when Dan runs against... Uh, Cooper, I always forget, John, right? When Dan runs against John Cooper. Think, up, a, think about yeah. when you want to get rid of stuff, right. where do you go? Go to the job. All right, that's you the know, way you remember want, his first I want to name. say something nice about Cooper. Uh, before, I, <laughs> b- before I tell all the listeners to vote against him, he's a very nice gentleman. He really is. He's a pleasant gentleman. Yeah. If you meet him, he's a very pleasant he's gentleman. He's a nice guy. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't need a pleasant gentleman representing me. I need someone who's going to get the job done. Yeah, go fight. Yeah, that's Dan Sullivan in Jonesboro. It's that simple. You know, I just mentioned another freedom thing. You know, we need to start thinking. We had a lot of scope of practice bills. We need to also start thinking about health care freedom. You know, who is the who is the lead in your health care team, Dave? Me. You. Most people think it's <laughs> My their body. doctor. Yeah, it's your body. But the medical society and the medical lobby particularly has convinced us that the doctor makes all those choices. And the medical board of the state of Arkansas has the authority to tell me who I can go to. The lead of my health care team is the, oh, the lead of the health care team is the patient. So when we look at health care freedom. We look at educational freedom. We look at constitutional carry. All of those issues are freedom issues that are guaranteed in our Constitution. Did you ever hear? I because I I won't. I'm not going to name names. I never do that. People say, "Well, where did you hear that?" And I said, "It's for me to know and you to get them to say it to you." All right. Bottom line, I've heard Republicans say we can't make changes too fast. Oh my gosh! I've been saying it about guns every time. That's yeah, why we got that's what almost I'm saying. nothing done. We got to go. Got to go slow. You got to let people. Oh my gosh. I go. Aren't you listening to the people? They're way ahead of you, man. Yeah, you know, you know? that's very true of the highway bill that we passed, the tax increase. You know, we have averaged a hundred million dollars a year over what we budgeted in revenues for the past eight years. 
So in eight years, every year, we've had $100 million in revenue over what we budgeted. That could have gone a long way towards solving some of the highway problems that we had, but we didn't use that. Uh, Mayberry, Julie Mayberry had a bill. Uh, and just recently, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin came out and almost quoted her bill, saying there are other ways to fund highways besides the way we went about it, talking about using uh, taxes on car-related and auto-related issues. You know, if you think that the fairest tax is a consumer tax, the people that use it pay for it, that's what Representative Mayberry's bill did. If you use automobiles, that tax goes to the highways. But if we did that and we realigned that tax, we shifted that tax over here, we couldn't have created an emergency because people wouldn't have voted to raise their taxes for other general revenue things. So we have to create an emergency. We have to create a crisis. Everybody agrees we need better highways. Nobody disagrees with that. It's how we pay for them. And I think Representative Mayberry's bill was a great bill. Um, and again, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Tim Griffin just came out and said almost the very same thing. Sure. Yeah. And, of course, the pushback to her bill, anytime there's that discussion, is like, oh, well, that, that money's dedicated to education. Well, let me tell you, Arkansas school districts are sitting on $2 billion. Right. $2 billion Explain in, that, in the bank. Well, I started looking in uh, uh, three, four years ago. Uh, I just got tired of school districts telling us we need more money from the state. We need more money from the state. We were increasing it every year. And so I asked the Bureau of Legislative Research, can you pull for me information that shows how much school districts hold in in net fund balance, money that is not allocated to salaries or whatever? And the figure two years ago was $1.6 billion. So I – was able to pass legislation that placed a cap on how much school districts could uh, could maintain. Actually, uh, the net fund balance was seven hundred and ninety million, and school superintendents were saying, "Well, we need that um, uh, for um, for building buildings." And I went, "Wait a minute! Isn't there a separate fund that is construction fund balance?" Find out that was another eight hundred million. So between those two funds, one point six, we placed a cap on net fund balance of twenty percent of annual revenue. That you've got five years if you're over the twenty percent to spend down. And I agreed that one way you could spend down would be to transfer money over into the construction fund balance. And sure enough, about half of the fund balance was transferred. But you would think in a year and a half of spend down that you would see some decrease. That number's gone from one six one point six million built uh, million one point six billion excuse me to two billion. It's grown, so they have enough money. The money's there. It's just not being allocated correctly. And Representative Mayberry's proposal was right on. Yeah. Uh, but you know when you when you see there's a group that they feel like it is their vested right uh, to have that money. And uh, I've heard battles like that sometimes about reallocating uh, fines uh, mm-hmm. to a certain area. Reck- reckless driving should have been yeah. – uh, there was a, a discussion when I was a lobbyist of transferring um, reckless driving fines towards funding trauma centers. 
Well, the sheriffs and the judges got all up in arms. Oh, that's our money. No, it's not your money. It's the people's money. This is what the... Keep your thought. Okay. All right. Got to get a break. We'll be back sitting in the studio today from the House side. How did the uh, General Assembly do? Uh, We've got uh, State Representative Mark Lowry. We've got State Representative Dan Sullivan. We'll be back to talk with them more. You can already tell it's going to be an interesting hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you and in the studio again, State Representative Mark Lowry, State Representative Dan Sullivan, and, of course, Robert Steinbach, who I have between them. I don't expect them to break out into a fight anytime during the hour, but I always take, you know. What, what happens if I start the fight? I was going to say, yeah, we're well, going to get along. Punching people. No, I think We've already it. compared our answers on the report card, so Dan and I are going to be fine. All right, so, <laughs> Dan, you tell me, in what area – do you think that the House failed uh, during the last session? Well, we raised taxes more than we cut taxes. And if our platform is to cut taxes or at least look for ways to cut taxes, we did not do that. I think you know if you look at just at the governor's package, his standalone package probably does cut the taxes. But when you add the other taxes that went along with that, the bottom line is, at the end of the year, the taxpayers of Arkansas are going to be paying more taxes than um, than their reduced taxes. Correct. You know, as a matter of fact, we, they tried the Republicans tried to pass the earned income tax credit, and uh, my that still blows my mind. By the my, way, well, my John Cooper supported that, uh, and again, I hope the voters statewide will help me in that race to tell Republicans you can't vote that way and stay in office. But it's going to take a statewide uh, Dan, Dan, tell us about what that means, because, you know, it's a technical-sounding thing. It's a wealth transfer. Talk about it's, it. Well, it, it just, exactly. That's yeah. the way to say it. It's just a transfer of money. People that um, are people out there that pay income tax, um, it's people that don't pay at all yeah, get money back. You get a check from the government. It's a yeah. welfare check. They yeah. call it an earned income tax There's a line a drawn check. arbitrarily. Right. If you're on this side of the line, you get money. If you're on the other side right. of the line, but you're paying clear, money, most people, basically. Most people get, I don't know about most, many people get a check from the government at the end of the year after they file their taxes. That's getting a portion of your money your back. Own money. Because, you know, the, when your company takes or your employer takes out of your check, they don't know exactly what your write-offs are. So sometimes you owe that, the government, sometimes the government owes you. And when you get that check back, it's because, guess what? You paid too much throughout the year. But the earned income tax credit has nothing to do with that. That's, hey, you didn't pay anything. Here's some more money back to you from someone else. And, you know, that is actually in the Democrat platform. Of course it is. And we had Republicans proposing and supporting that. Right. So um, I, th- I forgot the question now, Dave, but wasn't that it? What, <laughs> but Dan, what was the biggest about- one? So that taxes was a huge one. Okay. Everybody no. hold your thought. Yeah. We've got to get the news. That's then. a second hold my thought. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's hard to do. That head is always oh whirling. All right. News is next when we come back. All right. Let's go back to uh, State uh, Representative Mark Lowry. Mark, I asked you the same question that I asked uh, uh, Dan. The The area that you were most... Uh, you know, sorry to see that the the legislature didn't really do a Republican job. Well, I uh, I've mentioned uh, one the, the protection of memorials, uh, monuments. 
uh, you know, pushback was, oh, it, this we're not even close to this kind of issue happening in Arkansas. And what happened two weeks after the session, one week after the session dismisses, the the Jefferson County share, uh, judge is talking about moving a Confederate monument, what, which was not at all about Robert E. Lee or about, you know, it, it was uh, it, it was a dedication to uh, the death of Arkansans that that did fight. Uh, in the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, so I, you know that was, and that's just one issue. But I, my concern also was something that was very big on the governor's uh, agenda, which was transformation. Yeah, if it's as big a deal as it's supposed to be, it should have been taken up in interim hearings. We shouldn't have been the first time we ever saw anything of a bill that ended up being two thousand fifty pages was in the in the legislative session and as of january 15th when we we didn't know who was going to be on the state agencies committee that was going to be taking up that bill i think uh that in some i had one senator tell me and the senate was much more uh aggressive in actually finding errors in the bill where it had to be redrafted with amendments and this one senator said to me he said i have no doubt we've talked about it that there's somebody over in the governor's office just laughing at the things we didn't catch. And uh, so, you know, the grade that I would give the legislature would have to be amended saying we don't really know uh, what the net effect of transformation can be. I would give it a high grade in terms of the ideal and the goal of it, but I think the implementation of it is going to end up bringing down whatever grade we give to this legislature. I, I disagree with the governor when he says that it. he thinks it was the greatest session of all time, the GOAT. It it was not. Yeah. There, there have been legislative sessions that have accomplished a lot JR more. JR said that just that today on my show. You know, I think maybe along with that transformation, one of the uh, bills that we're going to learn more about, uh, Representative Rick Beck passed a bill. I don't remember the number. But it's going to be a paradigm shift in budget. It's going to require agencies to come to the budgeting process telling us, telling legislators how I can cut my budget 1%. They've never done that before that I'm aware of. It's always, do I get, am I going to be flat or am I going to get a 1% or 2% raise? But Rick's bill requires the agency to come and tell us how they'll cut 1%. And hopefully, we're just liable to say, okay, we'll cut you 1%. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. Way to go. And Rick was very courageous in writing that bill and pushing it hard and got a lot of support in the House. You, know, you talk about bills that uh, what the House was a little more aggressive. That was a big bill, and people is flying under the radar right now. But you wait until the fiscal session comes up. And they go to those budget hearings, and an agency comes and says, here's how I would cut 1%. I would reduce two or three positions. I would not do these one or two things, and I can cut 1%. And hopefully the legislators will go, we agree, cut 1%. And the governor has has anticipated up to a 15% savings or 10% or some number, but uh, those are all hope for. Uh, it's like like you're hoping for a raise. Uh, this is a cut that has to be laid out um, 
through the budgeting process. So uh, I agree with Mark wholeheartedly in that. Uh, but I think we've got an oppor- got some opportunities to really change the budgeting process. Yeah. The, the, the proof of whether transformation works or not is going to be uh, if you gain savings, it's going to come through attrition of not replacing people in certain positions. When we start, and I, I uh, sit on the personnel subcommittee of uh, AL, the ALC, the Legislative Council, uh, when we start seeing these agencies asking to fill positions for someone's retired, that's where we need to do some real pushback and say we're either going to be serious about this, of making government live within in its means, or we're not. And uh, that's something that's going to be, uh, we're going to have to be vigilant on that over the next several years. And this is the biggest point and my biggest criticism of the legislature uh, this term. And as you know, I give it a B minus, which is a good, not great, great. And that is too much tail wagging the dog. You guys are the boss. I and every other listener and, and citizen elected you to run this government, and you're the boss of the bureaucrats, and you got to keep them in check. And, and don't get me wrong, I like what you guys are doing. But the legislature has not kept the bureaucrats in check enough. And that's why I appreciate, Mark, what you and Charlie Collins did when you passed Campus Carry, and you said, wait, 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 I'm hearing from some bureaucrats that they don't want guns on campus, but they don't own the campus. They're my employee. I'm the legislator, and these uh, bureaucrats work for me, and I work for the citizens. And the citizens uh, are pro-Second Amendment, and they think that the Second Amendment, oddly enough, applies on campuses like it does anywhere else. So I'm going to say, as the elected representative, what happens on campus? And that's what that mindset that you aptly have is what needs to continue throughout the legislature regarding all the departments. You come to me with a 1% cut, and I, as a legislator, will tell you whether or not I enact that cut because I'm the boss, and I work for the people. And in four years or two years or whatever the cycle is, they're going to tell me whether I continue to work for them. Amen. You know, I, I don't want to be all negative on this. I think we, if you look at the issues of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life did fa- fantastic. Yeah, yeah, life. We did a lot of great things on life. We did a lot of good things on liberty. You know, Representative yep. Smith and, and others who ran those bills. Um, we, we had a lot of great movement on there. And I was listening to the show before I got in talking about the broadband. Yeah. Uh, and the first thing I did was call some people who really know the facts. You talk about farmers, maybe this and maybe yeah. that. They do. Farmers in rural area now pull their t- big tractor in and download information. Uh, and I talked to the, the head of the department, ag department at ASU, and uh, with Farm Bureau folks. And they said, yeah, in, in urban farms, they do pretty good. But out in the rural areas, it's, it's uh, dramatically less. And this is an opportunity for us to get out ahead of the curve. And I think the same thing in education. I think the governor's done some really good things and led the way in some educational reform. Teacher salaries was a really good thing, um, you know, trying to restructure some of our educational systems. So I think we had some high points, too, and I want to give credit where credit is due to those who had the courage to bring those issues forward. Well, you you just hadn't let me get to the question, which was, 
what area do you think you did the best in? Yeah, well, there you go. In the last, in the Mark? last. We'll start <laughs> off with Mark on that one. Well, I, I think it's uh, the education policy. I think being able to put money in to, to raise the minimum teacher salary, I think that that's going to take us a, gr- a great bit of the way. Uh, I think specifically also an education of us really implementing uh, the teaching of reading as science mm-hmm. uh, of, of that is that is a, a tectonic shift in the way that we have looked at reading comprehension and uh, you know and it, looking at the the, the facts of uh, if, if a student is not reading at grade level by the third grade they're never going to catch up and so as we undergo and this is one of the things that that uh, is happening with the legislative, the interim uh, at least, but it came out of the uh, legislative session, is a fresh look at um, at adequacy, foundation funding. Uh, part of that could be, and it's something I've been advocating for, and, and Senator Bond and I've talked about it, that if it's true that those students are never going to catch up in reading unless we get them to, at grade level, then we probably need to look at better funding uh tied to lower class sizes in those early grades. Uh, If you've got a student being able to read at grade level, you can probably accommodate much better at the fifth grade, sixth grade, middle school, high school level, uh, a a larger class size. So I think in education policy, I think we did make some uh, very positive steps forward, except for school choice. That that was very disappointing. You have to talk again about the Dave Ellswick free speech on college campus bill you know that was a leading uh issue nationally and shortly after we passed that bill the president signed an executive order yep uh supporting the dave ellswick bill and it was really uh rewarding for the state of arkansas to be a leader in that and now we have several other bills that we're going to follow this up with about freedom educational freedom and that's why i think we need to talk about educational freedom because it's not just about choice it's about students being free it's about faculty being free it's about parents being free Uh, and i hope we can change that concept for our people because it begins with the people electing officials who will stand up for freedom and liberty all across the board and remember, when we don't have educational freedom, that means someone is making that decision for us. Who is it? Unelected bureaucrats. Yep. That's, that's the issue. Who do we want making those decisions? Individuals? Parents? For your students? kids? Yeah, it exactly. should be you. You make your own decisions. Faculty make their own decisions. Students make their own decisions. Uh, uh, parents make their own decisions. We don't want to turn this over to under, un, unelected bureaucrats, but that's the alternative. And so, then the Second Amendment is really a good example. You don't have to carry a gun. You don't have to carry it concealed. You don't have to carry it open. You don't have to carry it all. It's the freedom for you to choose what you want. Same thing in education, the same thing in health care. People have to realize that they're the ones that have the responsibility. And our founders actually said your duty to participate and to vote and get engaged. And that's what we need the citizens of Arkansas all over the state to do is come up and engage and vote. Well, the the thing that I always say, and you all have heard me, and that is if you're not going to school board meetings and if you're not showing up to see what's being taught to your child, then quit complaining about what we're getting. 
the, the left is about the nanny state. Conservatives are about individual choice, and we need to stand up for that notion. It's or to go away. Right, right. That's simple. That's it, it. it will disappear it as will, it has been You will lose it. You will lo- If you don't exercise the freedom of speech, you have no freedom of speech, by example. I could sit here during this rest of this hour and look at each one of you and say, tell me something that you could do when you were 18 years old that you can't do now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff that yeah. you can't do now. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Your kids don't even know mm-hmm. what it was that they don't get to do because they took it away. Yeah, yeah you know, we have multiple pieces of legislation, particularly in education, Mark, where we try to put um, the power back to the local school board. And, you know, I think the president, President Trump, just recently uh, went with Secretary Voss, and they're going to do all they can to get power out of Washington. And we at the state level need to do all that we can to get power back to the local school board. Unfortunately, people come to us, and they would rather solve the problem at the state level than mm-hmm. go to their local school board because it's too hard. Yeah, because you got to give some time. Yeah, and so they would come down to us. All you've got to get is 11 votes, and you can pass it out of committee where they would have to run for the school board. Right. They would have to go uh, change who's on the school board. And we as legislators, in my opinion, unfortunately, all too often acquiesce to their pressure. Instead of saying, no, that's your problem. Go back and solve it quickly. Well, Dan, I, you know, I would agree. And, and you've heard me make I, as a conservative. Uh, I believe in local control, but I have been very concerned uh, about what's going on in our school districts. I mean, there's a point where local control is not the best answer. 1957 was certainly one of those answers. If we totally left it up to to local control. Uh, Eisenhower would not have had to send in the National Guard. Well, not, so I, we have yeah. to be the National Guard. And I think when you're talking about focusing on school boards rather than superintendents, I do agree with local control. But unfortunately, they're just taking at face value whatever that hired bureaucrat is telling them is the case right. with their budget or whatever, not really knowing that that school district's got plenty of money. The superintendent's mm-hmm. just not letting them in on the on the – the shifting the uh, uh, the game, the shell game that they're pulling on money. All right, we got to get a break in. Final break here on this segment of the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around; we got more. All right, we're down to the last uh, few minutes of uh, this hour. I hope that uh, this has given you a little bit of insight into what's been kind of going on in in the chambers and in the meeting rooms of these. Uh, these gentlemen and other legislators on the House side. Uh, So let's get down to a a, a grade. What would you give it, Mark? I I actually had an unofficial poll of some of my colleagues. Okay. Since you asked me, uh, it's certainly not scientific, but they agreed with me that I think it was a B. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then how about you, Dan? Yeah, I think that's a fair grade. I think we did some good things, but there were some big issues that we didn't handle uh, in a platform way or in a conservative way. And I think that those big issues hurt in the grading many of the smaller good things that we really did. Do you think that there's a, a – it feels like it to me that there's several or a lot of Republicans now that – say, well, let's look at the planks. 
when we're looking at bills. And does this reflect what the party stands for? And if it does, it does not. Does that mean that we got to rethink what we say we believe in? Well, I just hit the uh, luncheon I was at today. I told uh, Doyle Webb, of course, I told everyone else that was there, too, that this was the first session where I had a constituent, uh, and I think it was on education policy or something, where they pushed back and said, you know, why are you taking away uh, local control? That's against the Arkansas Republican Party's platform. Mm-hmm. So I told Doyle today, I said, we're going to have to revisit that language because I'm not a believer anymore especially when it comes to fiscal issues, uh, in total, absolute local control. Uh, we have to step in and sometimes be the adults. Yeah. You know, and um, unfortunately, a lot of people have no idea what the platform says. I know. And they're not even on the Republican committee. You know, right. in schools, the educational bureaucracy is a good example. You know, particularly on the education committee, our committee members get a lot of pushback from um not Republicans, but just people in their district who elect them. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't believe we, I think we can do a better job of our platform. You know, but Jefferson Thomas, you know him. Yeah. He said. Uh, I, mean, I don't know him, but <laughs> I didn't have the uh, the ability to sit down and have dinner with him anytime. But I've read enough about well, I've heard him. You I feel did, like I but know. all right. But, you know, he, he said when the people, and I'm not, I'm generalizing his quote, but he said when the people error. The responsibility of government is not to take their power away, but to educate them. Mm-hmm. So we have to get out and grow our local communities, grow our local committees, uh, get out and educate the populace. And I think you're seeing a lot of that happening right now. The Patriots of Act 746 is a really good example. Chris Ann Hall coming and educating people around the state. Uh, you have several groups that are grassroots that are helping to educate the folks they're getting tired of electing people who don't come down here and then vote the way they said they'd vote and rightly so i mean everybody should feel that way no matter what party you belong to you you elect people because you want them to stand for certain things well and part and parcel of that uh, that i think has to be changed is this thing of legislators being able to just vote present I would agree with or that. Or leave the room when a tough vote's coming up. I, I, I don't believe that th- your constituent sent you down here to sit on your hands. Well, when Mark, was, uh, Mark uh, Johnson. Johnson was here, I, I mentioned that in Indiana, one of the first things that they did when the Republicans got in control is that every vote was recorded. And you'd be surprised how that made a change. <laughs> they wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. You know, and, and if you'll allow me, I'd like to give a little plug for my election. Yeah, go ahead. You know, but this is a statewide race, and although only the people in Craighead County can vote, we can use the support of everybody. It's going to I'm going to have to raise $150,000 to run this race. And you know, anybody that can contribute, I'd appreciate it. They That's a to, lot cheaper than I thought you were going to say. Well, well, I hope yeah, we can get away more. with that. Yeah, he'll take more of a need. <laughs> we, we, uh, you know, I've got a website, Sullivan for Arkansas. People can go to to get information. My Facebook page, Sullivan for Arkansas. But we truly need support of everybody in the straight state if we want to hold our legislators accountable for what they promise their constituents they will do. If you okay. want to stand your ground in Arkansas, you got to support Dan Sullivan. Yeah, I agree with that. Because we know 
that the alternative that that bill would have moved out of committee. It would have passed. All right. If 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 Dan Dan had been sitting there instead of John Cooper. Guys, thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Appreciate we appreciate you, you coming in. State Representative Mark Lauer, State Representative Dan Sullivan, hopefully to be State uh, Senator Dan Sullivan. Dave Ellswick Show, a repeat of my time with J.R. Davis, the governor's spokesman. In the first hour of the show, give you a chance to hear what he had to say. Then I'll be back with you tomorrow, 2 o'clock, fun Friday. Mark Smith in, talking about movies. Big movie I'll talk about first thing. John Wick 3, Parabellum. I mean, what's the body count? I got to find. I'll try to keep count. Okay. (laughs) Talk to you later. Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 